0: Hello, my friends. Welcome back. This is Andrea Epolito celebrating life, luxury, and above all else, love. Today, I am very excited because I have an icon of the industry with us, Marley Major, otherwise known as the party goddess. Hello, Marley. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Oh, it's a joy. So I, I don't expect you to remember this because it was 400 years I, I ago. I do. I do. Um, I heard you speak. At Engage at the Monologia. and you, you, the title of your presentation was "But are you making any money?" Yes, which is also the name of a book that you wrote. Yes, yeah. So
1: it's a weird title, but the title means something. So, we can but
0: it's it. fantastic. And you know, I was about a year and a half into my business. I, I knew the creative, right. I knew as an artist how I saw the world. I knew how I wanted it reflected back to me. And even though I had gone to college, even though I had a degree, even though I did all the things, I had never gotten proper business training. My husband has an economics degree, but the are you making any money title really kind of caught me because my initial thought was like, well, I'm here. Of course, I'm making money. And then I was like, but am I? And then you log into your bank account and you go, you is there well, I was like, can I pay my bills? Can I buy shoes that I guess I'm making money? But it's also right. a big uh, a question of how you approach the financials. And right. you had such a great backstory that I was hoping you could share today.
1: Sure. Well, it is a I'm a big one, especially in, I mean, when I wrote my book, we didn't have social media and and lives didn't look as perfect as they look, right? We just had magazines and newspaper articles and things that made my life always look very amazing. And I decided a long time ago that I would out myself before anybody else could. So there was not, there would be nothing to discover. And ironically, what I, what I learned during that process was that, the more honest I was about what it was really like to be in business and really like to really like to quote be the party goddess, the more I seemed to resonate with people. and that was never my goal, but my goal was to just tell the truth. And what I found was you know we're you know in the, in this very competitive industry, LA, New York, London now I mean these are very very, very competitive markets. and so, if you just go to an industry event or you just go on social media, you think everybody has it figured out, but you like everybody knows how to do it, but you, and I just got sick of that. Maybe because I'm the underdog always, but I, I came up with a different way. And so my path is I'm from Pasadena, California. I mean, I, I was born in DC, but then I ended up going back to DC to go to Georgetown, got my business degree, love business. All I've ever wanted to be is in business. And my junior year, I, the, you know, the summer before my junior year, I didn't have anything that I really wanted to do that was exciting to me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Paris and go to cooking school. And so I did. And I spent the summer in Paris. And then I came back and I ran into my professor, the, one of my professors, the first week of school. And she was, we to do a, a speech on what we knew more about than anybody else. Well, at Georgetown, that was absolutely nothing because I always felt like I was behind everybody in economics and everything else. And my mom was like, why don't you just do it about French cooking? Like, you for sure know more about that than anybody else. And I was like, okay, good, done. So I go in those days, we're developing our film. And I went to, have my film developed in Georgetown. I ran into my professor and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in your class. And I'm so excited. I'm doing you know, my, my speech on French cooking. And I have a chef, an interview with the chef from 1789 and she was like, Oh my gosh, that's my favorite restaurant. And for anybody who knows DC, it's, you know, it's this very fancy restaurant in Georgetown that has been there forever. And I didn't know the chef from 1789 nor had I ever thought about interviewing the chef from 1789. And so I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? So I go back and I'm in tears, you know, to my roommates. And I said, I just told my professor, like, I don't know what I'm thinking Now I've got to get this interview. I'm going to be thrown out of school. You know, the usual, my drama. And my roommate was like, listen, they have this new staff. He's from New York. He's not going to know that he can say no. So like, let me see what I can do. Long story short, she set up this interview. And I was like, okay, thank you. I just need to meet him and just so I can like not be lying on my resources page or whatever. And so I took one look at him and said, I need to marry him. Well, that proposed a lot of... Challenges because number one, he was 20 years older than I was. Number two, I had only met him for five seconds. Number three, he worked in the bowels of this kitchen, you know, in Georgetown. I would never see him again. So I was doing this interview the whole time, plotting and scheming like, how am I going to see this guy again? Because I can't marry somebody that, you know, I can't see. These days, of course, we know you can't. You can get catfished together. But I was like, how am I going to do this? So I noticed, and this is kind of like the first of business lessons to be applied. I noticed that I would have to see him again, and it would have to be regular. And why should he hire me when obviously, you know, yeah, i had been to cooking school, but it's not like I had some big restaurant experience. And I noticed two things. One, that they had souffles on the menu, and souffles are notoriously difficult to execute for a restaurant. Number two, his Spanish wasn't that great, and everybody in the kitchen spoke Spanish. And I spoke Spanish. So I kind of in anticipating that I'm gonna be making my pitch was sort of like, well, and I'm this, you know, fluent speaking, Spanish speaking souffle chef, you know, which was a stretch on every plane. Let's just put it that way. And then I said, well, listen, can I follow up like next week? Can I just shadow you? You know, kind of like more research type of thing, like like as if I was getting my PhD in, you know, French cooking. But he said, sure. He later admitted he didn't think I would show up, but I did. And so then I ended up. Like, well, can I come back? And net, net, I would get out of school at 2.30. And then three days a week, I would work 3.30 to 11.30 in this kitchen. And I all trying to marry him. Well, you know, of course, nothing ever happened. And then you didn't marry him. What? So you didn't. Hang on. Pause. Go pause. Okay. That that whole junior year, nothing happens. I go to cooking schools uh, again in Normandy before senior year. I decide, Okay. I plotted and schemed the whole summer. I'm going to ruin his life uh, by quitting, and I'm his best employee, which I was, because of course I would pick up every shift under the sun. You know, I mean, I, I was just trying to work a shift to be in front of him. So I came back and I plotted and schemed, like, okay, and I, you know, I can't do this. My school load's going to be too much. And he was like, "Oh, okay, would you like to have dinner?" So the bottom line is, we got engaged the month after graduation, and there you go. And then the drama begins. Because what do you do if you marry a chef, and if you ever want to see them, you get into the restaurant business. Yeah. So we came back to California, and uh, fortunately, another like business lesson, very, very deeply, was we bought the land, and so we started. The we had to in you know, a lot of reconstruction, and we started the restaurant, and then yours truly, once again, to get in her own way, decides that I have one goal, that is to do a million dollars in sales my first year. So I graduated college at 21, 22. I'm in the restaurant business, do a million dollars my first year. Awesome. Like a lot of things, however, I did not like think it through and think you can do a million dollars in sales, but the million dollars in sales, it doesn't work so well if you're spending 1.2. Okay. So I was just digging a bigger hole. So the more customers I got effectively, the more, the, the, more bigger the hole it was. And, and I was like, how can this be? Like, I have a business degree. It, it's not even like I went to study art history. I have no excuse for whatsoever. But I, my challenge was in making the tough decisions between what I needed to do and what I learned in school and the reality of entrepreneurship. And I think that's where so many of us that's get different. stuck. It's just, you know, it's like, oh, yes this person should produce this amount of product above one. If they don't, then you warn them three times. And in California, you can fire them and then they'll see you, but you get it. And it, but it didn't seem to work that way for me. I just couldn't seem to have these magical results. And so I ended up digging myself a deeper and deeper hole and, you know, amazing for romance is financial trouble. And so my answer to that again, rocket scientist was to get pregnant. So Why not be pregnant and having marital problems and financial problems and, you know, working seven days a week? I mean, it's a recipe for magic. So have this baby. Okay. The baby can be in front of the cappuccino machine because it's noisy. No one will notice. We're busy. Thank you very much. So fast forward, thank goodness we had always been getting offers to partner up for the restaurant because we own the land. So We would keep getting offers and my dad would say, listen, you don't, you, you love the parties. Why don't you do this? Well, you know, focus on that because by now we had taken over um, a banking facility. We had started a catering company and I was like, no, because I, you know, was hell bent on, I am not going to look like I failed and I was not going to fail. So then my hand got forced again and I had a really bad skiing accident. And, my dad was like, this is ridiculous. Now you can't even walk. Like your whole job is to stand and you are in a leg brace going to their physical therapy three days. I should have been in regular therapy three days a week. But so net, net, I was like, fine. We partnered up with the restaurant. The chef and I go through a very like public divorce as far as, you know, living in Pasadena is like a crowd of one. And I went on and was like, okay, I'm going to start the party goddess. And that was in 2000. But as a lot of us have figured out in life, if you do not get to the root of your problem and solve it, you cannot paint the house white and hope that the termites have just mysteriously gone. They are not. So I was focused on sales without the profit component, started my event planning company, the party goddess and thought, okay, I don't have a hundred employees now. I don't have all this overhead. I can now focus. Now I can make money. Well, I got caught up again. And I got caught up in this celebrity client and this project and how great this will look, you know? And I I just forgot, like, but how much money am I going to be able to make from, let's say, the opening of the Hollywood Bowl? Like, yes, I know it's really cool to say, but how, how long can I run on that? And so now I'm, you know, married again. This time I married a CFO. So smarter. I'm heading in the right direction as far as at least the financial advice will be free. And I'm at dinner with my parents. And I remember the night so well, because I was going, yes, yeah, so and we're going to do this. And we're going to, you know, we might've just gotten Britney Spears as a client. I don't know. We had some high profile stuff. And, and I remember my dad was like, okay, he had heard this story for a very long time. And he was like, but are you making any money? And, and he was so frustrated with me. And I was like, if you ever have had that moment where the tears are just like right here, you know, and you are just praying they don't go over. Cause you know that the one second they go over, you are never going to stop crying. And I was like, please don't cry. Please don't cry. Please don't cry. But I remember very well at that moment, I thought there is no way I, Like, I am changing this story. Like, I cannot do this anymore. I've got to come up with, i got to figure this out. And so, you know, anytime I would talk to my accountant, I would feel stupid. I would feel like, oh, I shouldn't ask these questions about money, or I should already know them, or I was an idiot. And then I thought, well, at the end of the day, what is business and how do you make money? And I, for me, I broke it into four buckets, A, B, C, and D. And I just started categorizing my expenses that way and came up with my own system that was simple, was uncomplicated. And I thought, okay. And then ironically, for you'll probably recognize this, the, the special event, you know, which is one of our first industry conventions we ever had. And at the time, you could get a free education pass if you taught a class. So I was like, awesome. I'm going to teach my class on this little rinky-dink system I have. Class is going to be an hour. I'm going to you know, go drink at 5 o'clock. Well, it was like standing room only in this class. And I was like, and then I was like, you guys, you do realize, did you, did you all come in late? I don't think so. Because I just told you the story of how like, I am not the girl to listen to <laughs> yet you are asking questions and you are still here in their standing room only. Like I am the business train wreck. And I remember so clearly and it, it really kind of broke my heart because Somebody said, yes, but you're the only one answering our questions. And I was like, what? And they're like, we just want to know about pricing. Like, we just like, how do you do it? Like, do you charge a percentage? Do you charge a flat rate? Like, what's the best way to do it? What's the... And I was like, well, I'll, you know, I'll keep telling you how I do it. I'm, I don't think it's necessarily the best way, but I'll do my best. And they were like, well, we want to follow up with you. Like, do, do you have more? And I was like, do I have more? Dude, I did this for like a free pass. No, I don't have more. I, I don't want, in fact, I don't want anything to do with what I got going here, but it kind of created this groundswell. And I ended up writing a book called, but are you making any money? And of course, dedicating it to my dad who finally got me on the right track after you know many decades of being his daughter. But the point was, is that it, it kind of took off into this, it took its own path, which was I seem to get people that I you know, now work with one-on-one, but very smart women who left the law practice, started, you know, some creative business or, and yet we all have had the same problems. We are certainly smart and we're certainly capable, but we're not sure exactly how to set up our pricing and make sure we're making money. And then the first person that challenges our pricing, we say, oh, okay, like I'll cut the, uh, you know, cut the rate a little bit or all, and you just can't. And so for me, it was doing it wrong for so long and losing millions of dollars, literally to where I just said, okay, enough is enough. And I simplified everything, and now, of course, my focus is on you know projects and clients and places I do make money, but it has to be very purposeful. So, the very, very long-winded thing is if that even remotely sounds like you, I'm sorry, but there isn't.
0: <laughs> well, I think that it's. I think it's so interesting because I'm in personally. I feel like I'm I'm halfway in that like weird generational place where. I was raised where like, you know, you go to school, you get a job, the job will take care of you. Um, it was not my path. It didn't, it didn't lead me to happiness. It didn't feel fulfilling. I always, I knew at 15 that I wanted to have a wedding planning business. Um, but you know, you don't talk about money. No, you don't, you know, that's, you know, you don't go to somebody's house and ask what something costs. You would never ask how much money someone never. Needs. I mean, it's it's so disrespectful and, and right. just lastless. and oh my god, it's embarrassing. Right. right. It's supposed to look good. Right. And it's supposed to look pretty, and everything is fine. Yeah. But then you go out in into the real world, and while my my path was similar in that you know, I got married, I got divorced. I'm, you know, I now end up with my second husband, which is when I start the business. Um, I actually went and took a job at a restaurant because I liked him, um, chased him around for a while. So so second marriage love story mirrors your first, but you, we get to this point where I was like, okay, I, I really want to start this business. And because my husband has an economics degree, because he understands numbers so deeply, he was like, okay, so what does that, what does that cost? And I'm like, well, business cards are like a hundred. Um, I don't know. I can get a WordPress site for like 12. And he said, he's like, we need to sit down. Like we'd already had one child. He's like, we have, you need a plan. And I said, well, I've written a business plan. He's like, you need a financial plan. And so I was very fortunate in that I had a a partner in business and in life who knew more than I did. And yet he didn't know our industry. Right. And so then I go and I end up at Engage, which was in so many ways, especially, you know, eight, 10 years ago when, when we all started kind of coming together, finishing school. And there was so much of an emphasis put on the educational side. And so when I when I heard you, I said, and it's that that saying, but are you making any money is something that I've now said a million times to a million people when I'm coaching, when I'm writing, when I'm talking, right. It's such a simple statement, but you, you don't really know how to answer it. You were very clearly the first woman that I saw and truly one of the first professionals that was so incredibly open about pricing and money without Without telling me, like at the time, I didn't know how much money you were making. I didn't know what you were charging. I didn't know how you were doing it. But you definitely had this sense of ease. And it it was inspiring because having hard conversations about money became the backbone of my business. Of this, we we shouldn't do this in the dark. It's not something that I think that we should hide from our clients. It's not something that as, and I don't, I'm anyone who listens to my podcast for a long time knows, I don't like to play the gender card. I don't like to do any of that. But
1: sometimes you have to, I'm sorry. There's some things to me at least, that are undeniable.
0: A hundred percent. There is a difference. Their gender is real. The different way that a woman is perceived and a woman is treated. And I'm not necessarily saying it's sexist. I think that women are these extraordinary creatures and we have all of these amazing soft skills. If we, if we try to be one of the guys, my opinion, and you don't even have to agree with me, if we try to be one of the guys, we are voluntarily giving up the inherent strength and the beauty exactly. and, and the genius of who and what we are. Absolutely. And so I don't think, like, I have no desire to be just one of the guys, but I do think that as women, we don't talk to each other enough. We That's don't exactly. say, so let me ask, like, what did you, what did your last client play you? Right. How yeah. did you charge? I got screwed on my taxes. Who were you talking to? Because there's this undercurrent of like weird competition and there's this, and it's, it's all of this stuff that's very feminine and very female. And it does come from being underdogs as women, because we're not supposed to be business owners. It comes from being underdogs because we haven't, I was not raised in a house where, finances were discussed like that. My right. father was a civil servant. My mother was a stay-at-home wife and mom. Right. There was no conversation about a PL. Right. And nobody talked to me about investing. I I only ever got my first 401k because I had a boss who said, what are you contributing? And right. I'm like, to the company? Like, it's work? <laughs> You're like, I'm contributing my life. Don't you know? Right. Like, I'm you here, know? here from 6 a.m. till midnight. What do you mean? And he was yeah. like, honey. And he mm-hmm. sat me down and he taught it. Yeah. And so this idea that money is not something that we should talk about, or we're just so lucky to be in the industry. We're just so lucky to be here. We're so grateful that we should take it on the chin for yeah, everything. Yeah. And the minute that you stand up and say, actually, no, this is what it costs to be. And I, I did my finances back differently from what you did. Mm-hmm. My husband and I sat down and said, all right, What does it cost to support the life we have today?
1: Right.
0: When we were starting the business to do nothing else, but live the way we're living. What does it cost? Right. How do we want to fun conversation? Oh, it's it's, and I'm still married. I know. Amazing. That's yeah. We do it twice a year Mm -hmm. and it's become like these, how you do in touch bases for us have become really important. How do we live today? What does it cost? How do we want to live? What does that cost? In order to do that, how much money do